just want to say, how many remember last week we prayed about the bids that were coming in for, for the building? And I told you that we got an astronomical HVAC bid. And I mean, it was like $400,000 bid. I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to uh, like punch in the stomach. And so we sent out some other bids. Well, we've got some better bids this week. Uh, one of them is like... Um, ridiculously better. Like only God can do that. And I'm like, all right, Lord. And so he's the, the general contractor. Let me make sure these are apples to apples. Like they're doing the same work. This other people like we need done. And if it does, it's going to, it's, it's less than a hundred thousand. So that's a, <laughs> it's a really big jump that helps us with our budget on doing a lot of other things. And so y'all, let's just Lord, your will be done. Like, I don't even want to say God make that the one, because if that's not your will, I don't want it. But Lord, let your will be done. It sounds great to me, less than 100 versus 400, but you know, and I don't know. And so I trust you, and we just ask for your favor. And whatever you tell us to do, we'll do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you all good? Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you weren't here last week, we began talking about identity, and I encourage you to go and listen to the podcast. Um, It breaks down how we are first sons and daughters before we're anything else. And all the other titles and all the other roles that we have in life, they're really important. It's really important we're good husbands and wives and uh, fathers and mothers and sons, and it's important we're all these roles, workers, but if we're not a son or a daughter first, then we're missing our true identity and it will affect all of the other identity hats that we wear in life. And so last week we talked about that. And today I want to talk about how God gets us ready. He just gets us ready. Would you say that? God gets me ready. ready. Say God's getting me ready. (laughs) So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we'll start with verse 14. Second Corinthians five, verse 14. And it says, for the love of Christ compels us. Amen. What propels us, what compels us, what moves us through life? The love of Christ. Because we judge this, that if one died for all, then everyone died. Woo. (laughs) If Jesus died for everyone, then no one else dies because he died for all of us. So even the, the, the death in our flesh isn't death. <laughs> All right. It's a reward. Amen. It's, in, it's a reward into our heavenly inheritance. Jesus died for all of us. He paid for all of our price. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. That's a good word for our world today. That's a good word for me today. Jared, you should not live for yourself. Well, that's really hard because everything I've done in life has been training me to live for myself. As a, as a little baby, I've been my whole life learning to get my needs done and making the atmosphere and the world around me fit with what I'm comfortable with. We've all done it. We're all doing it. We've done it. But he says that if you are in Christ, if you are resurrected in Christ, then you're no longer to live for yourself. Ooh but for the one who died for us and rose again. It's that same uh, thought that, he, he, uh, that Paul says in Galatians 2, that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and now the life I live is unto him. Amen? Yes. Hmm. And then he says this, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we don't know him like that anymore. I want to read that from the, pa- uh, the Passion. Excuse me. 
And let me pull it up. Verse 16. So from now on, we refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But we no longer see him with a limited human insight. He's saying the way we react and treat one another is to not look at them in the flesh, but to look at them according to the the new creation that they are, who they are in Christ. Not through human intelligence, human wisdom. You think back to when David was anointed king, he wasn't even invited to the party. I I would be, if I was the David, I would have been really offended that all my brothers got an invitation and they didn't even think to invite me. Like they, they left me out because I didn't fit the part and, and the oldest didn't fit the part. The next oldest, then, I mean, down the line of no, man, I guess he's just not here. Are you sure these are all your sons? And God told Samuel, Hey, don't judge by the outward appearance. Because God doesn't use that to determine who he calls and who he anoints. But he looks at the heart. And he's like, you have any other sons? He's like, yeah, I got this shepherd boy. He's like a little bitty ruddy kid out in the middle of the field. He goes, well, bring him in. Didn't even get time to take a bath. All the other ones got prettied up. They went and got their hair done. They, got, you know, they went and had their spray tan put on. What? I'm just kidding. But they did their whole, they looked great. They were like, we want to look like a king. They came in and he just came in with sheep poop all over him dirt. He'd been out in the fields for how long? And he walks in and God says, that's the one. Because man looks at the outward appearance, but God doesn't. And we can clean ourselves up and try to look pretty for the part, but it doesn't matter. God chooses. God raises up. And he's telling us this in 2 Corinthians. Don't judge people and treat people based on what you see outside. Begin to speak to that, to that emerging person that's inside of them. That's a prophetic way to live. Begin to see people the way God sees them and treat them the way God sees them, and they'll rise up to the level of who God says that they are. If people begin to treat me the way God sees me, it will elevate the way I live my life because all of a sudden, everyone around me is treating me like I'm a king, and I'm dirty, and I'm not a king, but if everyone else thinks I'm a king and God thinks I'm a king, I must be a king, and that's what he's telling us here. And then verse 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a whole new creation. Come on. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And these are, these have, all these things have been reconciled, right, through Jesus Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. Come on. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And now we are ambassadors for Christ. You're like, what am I supposed to do with my life? We're ambassadors for Christ. We represent Jesus everywhere we go. As if God was making his plea to all of mankind through our lives. We are representatives of a new kingdom And we're to live our lives as if God was making his plea to the hearts of men and women across the earth through our lifestyle. Come on. So that they can be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become what? Everyone say the righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Like we couldn't clean ourselves up. So Jesus came and he offered a sacrifice. He paid our penalty and then he put his clothes on us 
the clothes of righteousness that he wears, he made us also able to wear those same clothes. He, he took what we deserved and he gave, what, gave us what he deserved. You've heard that said many times. And I want to talk to you today about how God's dealing with us. Um, he's dealing with the emerging creation that he's sparked inside of us, the new creation. And I want to say this, a large portion of God's correcting words, how many ever hear correcting words from God? Yes, amen. I'm, I'm not the only, I hear a lot of them, right? <laughs> hey, uh, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have done that. Right, 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 yeah. But you know what I've discovered recently? That a large portion of God's correcting words that come to me are actually preemptive wisdom. Yeah. Come on. They're preemptive instruction rather than him dealing with a past failure. He's, he's setting me up to, to succeed instead of fail. He's, he's sowing seed into my present from the future. And sometimes I hear a correction word from the Lord, and guess what I do? God says, hey, you've had this, this thing going on or whatever, and, I'm, and what do I do? I take the word he just gave me, and I start examining my past. And I start, I start doing the work of the Holy Spirit, and I start trying to figure out, okay, what's he talking about? Okay, well, I, I, can, I can apply it to this past thing or this. And, and what I'm discovering is he's far more interested in seeding my future than dealing with the, the past. What he's wanting to do is he's taking a word from who I'm becoming and he brings it into the present and he's prophesying over me so that I can now match my life up with what he says about me. Because if he was in the future and he met future Jared and he knows who I'm going to be, he brings the word back that's going to get me there, right? Because his seed becomes life to our bones, he says in Isaiah 42, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I declare before they spring up, I announce them to you. That's Isaiah 42 verse nine. That's a great verse that goes exactly with what, what the Lord's sharing with us today. He's speaking to the emerging person. In other words, he's announcing to us the word that we need to get where he sees us in the future. Yet we take correction from the Lord and we try to apply it to past failures. And guess what happens when we take a current word from God and tie it to our past? We lose the value of the word that he sent to us because we're misapplying the word. Are y'all okay? God deals with us present toward the future. He does not deal with us present toward the past because he's transforming us. Transformation is a forward progress mo motion. It's not a, it, it, it's a, it's, it's progressive. It does not go backwards. Transformation is the process <laughs> where our present is responding to the future that God has declared. Do you want to know how we're transformed? We tell our present person, me right now, to respond to every word that God says because he's speaking for my future. And if I will respond to the word that he says, and if I will just do and obey and line up with that word, then I will become transformed into who he says that I am. We are being transformed into his likeness. Again, God is not dealing, I think this is so true. Because in human, in human nature, in human life, almost, almost all discipline is dealing with a past failure. Yeah. 
I, don't, I can't think of any examples right now of us disciplining our children because of what they're about to do. Like, you know, pre-crime stuff, you know, like minority report stuff. Like, well, you were, uh, in the future, you were gonna do this thing, so I'm just gonna discipline you now because you thought about it. That's not, that's not how we work. We discipline our children according to behavior or things that they had already done. But God doesn't do that. He disciplines us as a father who loves us, as a father who has seen our future, has, has full confidence that we will become everything he said that we're gonna become. He's not afraid that we're not gonna get there. See, our discipline tends to lean toward fear because we're so afraid our kid's gonna turn into a screw up. <laughs> oh my goodness, if I don't discipline this out of my kid now, he's gonna be a horrible person in the future because I don't have confidence in who he's gonna become. So I'm gonna control his, his present by taking his past and beating him over the head with it. God does not do that to us. God is fully confident, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. <laughs> God, the good father, is not dealing with your past and beating you and me over our heads with it. He's speaking from the future saying, come on, move forgetting what is behind. Press on toward the high calling of Christ. Why? Because God is not the punisher. God is not trying to punish all of the bad behavior out of us because he's afraid of what will become in the future. He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he rewards us by prophesying over us. And his word is our reward. His prophecies into our life is our reward. It's our strength. It's our confidence that says keep going. Present you, don't stop where you are right now. Take the correction. He's course correcting now for future. It's a much better way to live. Amen. How, many, how many have ever driven one of those buggies that has rear, rear, rear wheel? Sorry, I can't even say it. It's whatever. I can't speak. But where, where the steering, the back wheels are the ones that steer instead of the front. It's a lot harder to steer the vehicle. It's, it's chaos, right? He's trying to steer us into the future. And he doesn't do it by dealing just with our, you're like, well, what do we do with our past? How do we deal with our past behavior? We surrender to Jesus because he already paid for it at the cross. You're like, well, I still, something bad needs to happen to me because of this thing I did. Because I don't trust me. I only, I only really respond to pain. I only really change when there's enough pain involved. And that's not how God deals with us. He's a good father. You're like, does God discipline us? Absolutely. He does. But the way he disciplines us is he transforms us. He's, he's not trying to transform our behavior. He's trying to transform us. A transformed person has transformed behavior. It's just it's the way it works. Amen. Hmm. Here's some examples. Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. Abram, all the nations of the world will be blessed because of you, and you don't have any kids yet. Yeah. And I'm going to give you so many kids, you can't even count them. Come on, count the stars. Can you do it? That's how many kids you're going to have. Oh, there's no way. Gideon, 
you're a mighty man of war, mighty man of valor. Me? I'm the least in my tribe, which is the least of all the tribes. I'm last. Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I appointed you to build up, to tear down. Come on. Hey, Peter and John, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Walk with me into the future, and I'm going to transform you into something else. Well, what happened to the ones that said, hey, let me go back and, and deal with my, my, my affairs. Let me, let me sell my stuff. What happened to those people? They didn't follow Jesus. He said, go back. <laughs> Either let the dead bury the dead and follow me now or don't follow me. Because we cannot live a transformed life and be like, okay, wait, I need to go back. I need to deal with some addiction, then I'll follow you. I need to deal with the, with the relationship that fell apart before I can really surrender to you. I need to deal with my insecurities or whatever bad happened to me back there. And I believe in, in, in wholeness and healing and all that stuff. I believe in counseling. I believe in all of it. But the transformed life is a future living life. And he wants us to be transformed. The whole story of David is the perfect example of this. He's, he carried deliverance in him as a shepherd boy. He practiced stirring his passion and love for God in the secret place. He didn't know what he had inside of him until he confronted a lion and a bear. He didn't know. God had already planted a champion in him, and he didn't know it until the obstacle presented itself and he reacted to the obstacle with the, the champion that was inside of him. To the believer and the lover of Christ, all trials work to our benefit. Everything that we've gone through in life, I don't, like, we've all had really bad stuff happen. All of us. Some have had worse hands dealt to them, if that's the way you want to say it, but we've all really had bad things we've had to work through. Guess what? God takes all things and works them together for our good. You're like, how, how can he take ashes and make beauty? I don't know, but that's what makes him the best king. He takes ashes and converts them into beauty. He takes uh, aliens and, and strangers and he brings them in and makes them sons and daughters. See, for David, the whole world was happening without him while he was learning the excellence of his God and the authority that he had inside of him to carry. Let's close this up. I'm just fast-forwarding here. This is me fast-forwarding. David was set apart because he had a zeal for God and for the things of God. And you'll see that play out in, in the whole, all of David's life. He made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. Maybe as many as any other person that we see in the Bible, just mistakes, a lot of them. He made mistakes as a father. He made mistakes as a husband. He made mistakes as a king. Like, man, every one of those titles that he carried, like, he messed up in. Yet God describes him as the apple of his eye, a man after his own heart, because he didn't stop letting God transform him. 
He didn't stop the process. He didn't disqualify himself. Some, some in this room, maybe some listening, you're really good at disqualifying yourself. Like, well, I can't because of this, or I'm not, I don't have this knowledge, or I don't have this background. Stop it. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. You're like, well, <laughs> my heart's not even <laughs> that great sometimes. God can change the heart. The Bible says that, that God stirs the hearts of kings. Like he, he can do anything with anything. He's sovereign, amen? David wasn't just in the right place at the right time. David was the right person in the right place at the right time. He was a transformed person. He learned that him plus God is a majority. Like, oh, I can handle a lion, I can handle a bear, I can handle this giant Goliath. Well, how do, how do you know? Well, let me tell you a testimony. And he tells them the story. And then they're like, well, here, we're going to put all of Saul's stuff on you. Here's all his, no, that's not, that's not me. I'm really good with a slingshot, though. You think you're awesome with a sword? Watch what I can do with a slingshot. I think he was really skilled at it. I think he was awesome at it. I think he sat out there and, like, honed it in, man. I think he was the best. And he's like, let me do what I'm really good at. Well, we've never had anyone go to battle with someone with a slingshot. You got to go with a sword. You got to wear, yeah. no, I'm going to go as I am. Because this has been proven in the secret place. I've been transformed. Amen. David reminded a whole nation who God was. They just needed to be reminded. They were all hiding. They were warriors. Because what happens after David takes Goliath down, they all remember who they are. And they're like, oh, let's go. They're grabbing their swords and they're killing everything in sight. Because David, one person, one man who was transformed, one little boy actually, who was transformed, reminded a whole nation who they were. And when he showed them what it looks like to be surrendered to God and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, something shifted in every one of their hearts and the fear disappeared and they remembered, wait, God is our God. Come on. Jehovah is our God. I believe that every one of us can, can see these things happen in our life. I believe that in your workplace, you could be a David. Come on. You could remind people there's a God in heaven. And your family, this is a holiday season. Your family could see something different in you and it could change your whole family. Like, well, I don't know, man. There's a lot of water under the bridge. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Nothing's too hard for God. Amen? Amen. Because when we win these private victories and we allow God to transform us, they will always translate to public victory. Always. Always, every single time. Because he's in us for us, but he's on us for others. Amen? Don't despise the lonely fields or the secret place. I, I feel... Some, some have been in a long, hard season. And you feel like you've just been having to deal with this thing. I feel the Lord say it's over. It's over. It's done. 
finished. Stop dealing with the past. Let me heal you from the future to now. Let me make you a new creation with a a whole heart instead of a broken heart. Come on. Let me make you into a new creation where all of your needs were met as a child. You may, I missed out on some nutrients as a child. The Lord can give that to you right in this moment, right now. He can be a father to you. He can be a mother to you. I just know that God's transforming us. And I've seen him do it over and over and over again. How many can look at your life and see, just if you just looked at a movie of your life, you've seen transformation. Come on. Do you think he's going to stop? He's not going to stop. He's going to complete it. He's going to take it all the way to the end. He doesn't quit on us. He doesn't quit on anything. He doesn't throw us away. There's no island of misfit toys in his kingdom. He brings us all in. And he makes us all carriers of of authority and all carries their beauty. I think of the Bible where it says that, that you know, he, he gives noble and ignoble purposes, but everything has a purpose in the kingdom. And he does it for all of us. And so we're just... <laughs> he gets us ready. He gets us ready, every one of us. He uses everything and gets us ready. He's great at it. Have you ever watched those cooking shows and they give them the weird basket with all the crazy stuff in it? They're like, here, make something good with this. Good luck. Like God's like, whew, I love doing that. I'm gonna make something, I'm gonna make the best food you've ever had in your life. That's what he does with all of our lives. The only thing that stops it is me tying myself to the past. I have to let him and his words pull me into the future. So what do we got to do? When he gives us instruction or correction, stop trying to figure out how to apply it. Because we, always, we only see what we've been through. Ask him. We had this talk a couple weeks ago, and Hank and I was like, man, that's a really good thought. I'm going to write this. Like, a lot of God's correction is preparing us. It's not spanking us, you know? I was like, ah, I'd write that in my phone. We're standing right in my yard. I was like, okay, Lord, here, here we go. I'm going to stop applying your correction to what I think you're speaking about, and I'm going to ask you, what are you, why are you telling me this? Amen? Would you stand? Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though that's how we have known Christ according to the flesh, we don't know him like that anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. And what happens when he does a new thing? He tells us about it before he does it. Isaiah 42, 9, don't forget that. Before it happens, I announce it to you. 
Some of us, we need to partner with the future. Yes. Amen. We need to cut ties with the dead past. Would you pray for someone next to you? Just find someone and begin to pray over them. Come on, prophesy over who they're becoming. Like, oh no, we didn't know this was participation. Yeah, that's what this is. This is, this is the kingdom. We all get involved. Jesus, we need you, Jesus. Father, we welcome your prophetic words from our future to our present right now. <laughs> we say yes. Every lie we've believed, we cut ties with those lies. Father, in Jesus' name, I prophesy that we're all being transformed. We're being transformed into new creations. The old is gone. Come on. Father, send your word. Send your word over our lives. Jesus, come on. Hide us in the secret place. Transform us in the secret place. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, come on. Jesus. She did it. Come on. I wish I would have Googled and researched this, but I don't know how many people in the Bible God just decided to change their name. Like, hey, uh, yeah, you're going to be this new name right now. It happened all throughout Scripture, from old to new. I mean, one of the most famous ones, Saul becomes Paul. I mean, come on. Overnight. One day killing Christians, next day... He's going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. I, I don't understand it. Like, what happens? I just, the future came into his present, changed him into another person. And I just want to tell you right now, I want to say this. You have permission to become a new person. We all have permission to take a new name right now. His name, his identity over our lives. Not what we've been, not what we've always known, not what other people say. What he says about us, we take that as our identity. And so right now, leave your past. Come on. <laughs> you have a new name. Come on. Amen. I, I want us to take a moment and I want us to invite freedom to come. I want us to experience it. I want us to feel it. I feel like he wants to give us an encounter right now. So you want freedom from that old, from, from, to, from the old to the new. Invite him to come. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom.
freedom. Come on. I saw a picture, and I don't know if it was from one person or if it's from more than one person, or maybe it's for me. I don't know. But what I saw was a horse inside of a beautiful corral. It was beautiful, but it was still a corral in the middle of this beautiful valley with mountains everywhere. And what I heard was, why would you live in a corral when he owns the whole valley? Yeah. Like, even if it's beautiful. Even if I'm well taken care of in the corral, maybe it's a big corral. Even all that may be true. He owns the whole valley. And I feel like the Lord wants to just set some people free. Go out of the fence. Kick the fence down. Run free. He owns the whole valley. If that's you, just receive it. Yeah. And the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on. Let's be free. Amen? Amen. You all good? Yes. Thank you for being here. I pray God does something really special for all of you this week. I really do. I pray that you have these moments of just freedom. Just, ah, I've never felt like this before. I pray you have moments like that that become the way your whole life is. Oh, I've never been this free. We just release you to freedom. Come on. If you would like prayer for more, we'll meet you here at the front. We want to pray over you. If you have your offering in person, we'll have buckets for you on the way out. If you're not part of a revival group, join a revival group. It'll be fun. It'll be great. Um, And we just bless you. I'm going to pull the old school my dad thing. Would you raise your right hand? This is, I cannot believe I'm doing this. (laughs) <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, my goodness. I, there was something about it. I, I bless you with freedom. I bless you with liberty in every area of life, not just one or two. I bless you with the knowledge that he is transforming you into who he says that you are. Come on. You are not. I bless you with the knowledge that you're not who you were. You're who you're becoming. I bless you with uh, encounters with him. I bless you with sweet times in his presence. I bless you with times of refreshing. And I bless you with the feeling every moment that you're awake and every time, here's the deal. When you wake up and when you go to sleep, I want you to feel this. I feel so loved by you, God. 
I bless you with that in Jesus' name. You're blessed. Amen.